I love going through the Advent season, but uh, now we're getting ready to launch a new year. I'm excited about the new year. Uh, there's always something fresh about it. I, you know, every day ought to be a brand new day, and we start afresh every day. And that is the possibility and the reality, and yet we just kind of focus on January the 1st like that's the only day we can begin again and start new and afresh. Uh, but it's really every day. But uh, one of the things about uh, as we come into the new year, you know, we look back on all the things that have happened in the past year. And we remember all the movie stars and the recording artists who have died. And, uh, you know, and then we think about all the bad things that have happened to us. And then somebody says, but it's a new year coming and we're going to start afresh and we're going to get going again. Well, the reality of working, walking with Christ is that is the reality for every day of our lives. We get to begin again. And He works with us and loves us. And uh, I want us today to talk about how to start the new year right. Really what I would like to say is this is how to start the new day right every day of your life. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your scriptures to a very familiar passage of scripture, Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse 20. And many of you have Galatians 2.20 already memorized. It's a great verse. If you don't have it memorized, I challenge you to memorize it. Uh, find a translation that works best for you, which really is a translation, not a paraphrase, and memorize it so it'll help you Every day as you begin to go through this. And my message this morning is kind of be twofold. First of all, I want to lay a foundation for what I then want to share with you at the end. And the, the foundation obviously is going to be longer than what I want to share with you at the end. But it's, it's how to start a new day, how to start a new year right every, every day of our lives. And so I want the theological, the biblical perspective of how we begin every day and the reality of what is true about that, that new day. Now, Paul, as he's writing to the church at Galatia, has just been talking about the fact that we are not justified because of the law. We are justified because of Jesus Christ and what Christ has done for us. By faith, we have put ourselves into his hands and allowed him to save us as we confess our sin, as we claim Him to be our Savior and ask Him to come into our life. And, and we die to our old way of living and we are raised to walk a new way, just like Emma has demonstrated for us through believer's baptism today. What a beautiful picture that is of the old dying and new life coming because Christ makes all things new. But then he gets to this critical verse where he says something that is so true. He gives us three truths about our lives. In verse 20 of chapter 2 of Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, in that passage of Scripture, I find three truths that are just significant to who I am as a believer and who you are as believers in Jesus Christ. And the first one is that we live a life out of a dead past. 
The past is dead. What's he say there? I have been crucified with Christ. The cross, the crucifixion, that was a place of death. Anyone who was hung on the cross died. Nowhere in history can I find anyone who was nailed to the cross and came off the cross alive. They're dead. And I want to be sensitive here because in our family of faith, we've had folks this year that we have lost. But, but listen to the reality and, and know my heart. I support you. I pray for you. I care about you. But here's the reality of death. When a person dies, it's gone from this face of the earth. Now, if they know Christ, they move from this realm to the realm with Him in eternity with Christ. And that's why we have hope if we die in Christ. But if you... If you're in the room when someone dies, and I've been there many times, the reality is that person will never be angry again. Think about that. They won't be angry anymore. They won't be insulted. I can call them names and they won't be insulted. That person will never gossip again. They're dead. And that life is gone from this earth. And I want you to understand what Paul is saying. He says, I have been, past tense, I have been crucified with Christ. That old life of getting angry and being put out with people and gossiping and and, and doing things that are wrong, it's gone. Matter of fact, Paul goes on to write, he says, all things are new in Christ. The dead is gone. And sometimes, folks, we forget that. And in our old sinful nature, which is still battling that, things start to rise up, and we just need to declare it dead. Because we have been crucified with Christ. And that is a head heart thing that we have to go through every day of our lives to just declare that to be true. And the old nature no longer controls me. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says, sin cannot control me anymore. It has no dominion over me except unless I give it permission. What a wonderful truth to know. I have been crucified with Christ as He died to take away my sin and to give me a new life. So as I get up every morning, I have a dead past. But a second truth is I have a definite presence What's he say there? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That's that's gone. It's past. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, 
that divine, definite, present, what's going on right now, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that second truth that I have a definite present is a reality we need to grab a hold of and enjoy. The cross was known as an instrument of death until they hung Christ on that cross. And he transformed that instrument of death into an instrument of life. Because it is through his death that we have life when we receive him, when we receive the gift of eternal life because of what Christ did for us. Now, you know as well as I do that if you're going to live, there's some things that you need to do if you're going to live, and especially if you're going to live healthy. First thing you need is food. You need food if you're going to keep living and not die. And some of you, your stomachs are growling right now and saying, yes, amen, I agree with you, T-Mac. Preach fast, get us out of here. I'm growling, my stomach's growling already. You need food. And your stomach will remind you that you need food. But that's not all that you need. Have you noticed that we are social beings? You need fellowship. You need contact with people. No one, what some famous writer wrote, no man is an island. We need each other. And we socialize with each other. And that's, that's where family and friends are so important in our lives to keep us living. We're not isolated individuals. But not only do we need food and fellowship, we also need rest. You can only go so long until you crash. And hopefully not literally. <laughs> but if you press it too long, yes, even literally, you will crash. You need rest. Your body says, I need to go to sleep. You have my permission to go to sleep if you're really tired. And I promise not to wake you up, even though I may come stand over you and go, no, I would never do that to you. I would never do that to you. Been there before. <laughs> My eyes have gotten heavy in worship services as I've entered into a period of prayer. <laughs> and ye who have experienced that, you all just laughed at me because you know you've experienced that. But we need rest. But you know we also need exercise. You do need to get up and move if nothing else, to go to the refrigerator to get food, you know? And to talk to somebody on the way or listen to somebody say, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't touch that. That's for dinner tonight, you know? Yeah. Folks, these are realities of life. But did you know they're also the realities of spiritual life? You need spiritual food as well in order to live for Christ. I'm going to get nosy with you today. I'm going to stick my nose where you don't want me sticking it. Bless you.
How many of you want to join me on my new physical diet? From this point forward, I'm going to eat on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and not touch another bite until next Sunday at 11 o'clock. How many of you want to join me on that diet? Then let me ask you a question. Why do you come to worship to hear the Word of God preached and never open the book again? Because this is your food, not me, not your new pastor that's going to come, not your discipleship small group. It's the Word of God. That is our spiritual food, and we need to get in it every day. Every day, if, if it's just looking at a verse and thinking about that one verse, start eating daily so that your spirit can live with vitality. And we also need to learn to rest. And, and by, by resting, uh, I'm, I'm talking about the fact that we need to quit trying to do it and let God do it through us. You've heard me say this over and over again during this interim period of time. You can't transform yourself. Christ will transform you. You don't have the strength to do what needs to be done, but He empowers you by His Holy Spirit who has taken up residence in your life to give you the power so that you can rest from the work and allow the Spirit to do the work through you. You are the channel through which the Spirit does the work. And some, some of us get so tired and worn out because we try to do it. This is one of the things that I do. If you follow me real close, and you'll have to follow me hard because I will lock you out of that office. But before I come in here, I'm on my knees in that office and saying, Father, once again, you've given me a task that I can't do. And if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. And I yield myself to him and say, Father, take this introvert and use him as a tool in order to share your word with hungry people. And I find power in that. Therefore, I find rest in that. And we need the food and we need the rest. And we certainly need the fellowship with one another. The writer of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He says, you need to get together often. But one of the things on getting together that he's talking about is not the emphasis of being together as much as it is. The emphasis in that passage of Scripture is what you do when you are together. Encourage one another to love and to good deeds. That's why we gather. We don't gather in order to count noses. We gather together to encourage one another, to outlove one another, to encourage one another to keep on keeping on doing what's good. The food, the rest, and the fellowship. And then we do need to exercise. And that means we get involved in ministry. Sometimes it's 
corporate ministry where we're together doing something with other people. Sometimes it's individual ministry. Sometimes it's ministry to your own family. Loving on them and praying for them. Going to the next door neighbor. Taking care of them. Find out that ministry that God has for you. Just as we need the physical food and fellowship and rest and exercise to live healthy physical lives. We need the spiritual food of the word and the fellowship of one another and the rest of letting the spirit work through us and the exercise of us then being used as those tools to go out and to do ministry. But here's the most exciting thing I see out of that verse is not only do we have a dead past, a definite present, but it all comes through a divine person. Look what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All of this is because of a divine person, Jesus Christ. He is not just the reason for the season, which is the cliche we talk about during Christmas, but Jesus is the reason for every day for us to have an existence that we can recognize that our past is gone. We can't change it. Let it go. Quit dwelling on it and live in the presence of this divine moment. Not a one of us can guarantee we'll be here tomorrow. Today, this moment is the only moment we have. Live in the moment that you have. What's the other catchphrase? Seize the moment. Live for Him. And it's all because of a divine person, Jesus Christ. You're never in it alone. Never alone. He is always with you. That's his promise. And he is faithful to fulfill his promise. Now with that foundation, I want to give you three New Year's Revelations, not resolutions. This is the time of year where everybody's talking about, what is your resolution for the new year? A resolution is something you think up that you think you ought to do. And so you start on it uh, on January 1 when you get up, and by midnight you say, whoops, blew that. <laughs> so let's, let's forget resolutions and let's talk about revelations. Let me give you three things that will help live with a dead past in the definite present because of the divine person of Jesus Christ that can literally change your world as He works in you. The first thing is, every day when you get up, and I don't care whether you get up whenever. Some of you are on swing shifts and you have very weird schedules. 
and I even have a friend that he says, my day starts when I go to bed at night rather than when I get up in the morning. And I pray as I go off to sleep, Lord, give me rest and wake me up in order for me to live tomorrow for you. And so that's when he marks the beginning of his day. You find your beginning mark, and here's the first revelation from God's word that I want to give you. Report for duty every day. Report for duty every day. Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. As I want you to see that these are revelations that I think God has revealed to us in his word that will help us live every day. Now in Mark, and this is talking about Jesus, in Mark 1.35 it says this, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, meaning Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. In other words, he reported for duty. Jesus got up and he went out to a place and he says, Father, it's a new day. I'm here. Where are we going? Because over in John 5, 19, it says, The Son can do nothing on his own, but he can only do what he sees the Father doing, and then he does the exact same thing in the exact same way. And if that's true of Jesus Christ, can it be any different for us? So our first charge for the new year, the new day, is to report for duty. Jesus, I'm checking in with you. I'm saying, Lord, I'm here. Use me this day. And just voice that. Voice that. Your ears need to hear that as well as your heart needs to hear that. And it will change your life. Because... Not because you are doing that, but because you're talking to the Father and He says, Good, have I got a plan for you today. Hang on. We're in this to see the world changed. But there's a second revelation that I want to make sure we have is that the second thing is not only do we report for duty, but then we... Focus in on Christ. Not ourselves, but on Christ. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John the Baptist has been doing his work and now all of a sudden Jesus is on the the scene and all of a sudden John the Baptist is beginning to fade off the scene and that's got some of his followers a little bit uptight about this and they're saying, John, what's this all about? And look what he says in verse 30. John 3.30 says, He, meaning Christ, he's referring to the Messiah, he's referring to Jesus. He said, He must increase and I must decrease. In other words, he's saying, I'm putting my focus on the Son. I'm putting my focus on the Messiah. I'm putting my focus on the Savior. And my task is to focus on him so that there's less and less about me and more and more about him as I make him famous. The second part of focusing on Christ is, as I've already alluded to, get into the word. 
go over to Timothy. Go over to Timothy. Uh, go to First Timothy. Excuse me, Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter two. And this will help you focus on Christ. Second Timothy, chapter two, verse fifteen says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The word of truth. The word of God. The only way you will know the truth is to get into the truth. And the only way that the truth can get into you is if you get into word it is a wonderful not a vicious but a wonderful circle of life where we get into the word so that the word gets into us so that the truth is in us and we are focusing and as we focus on him and he becomes greater and I become less and less it is because I live by the truth and the word of God is my food that I chew on and I think about Every day as I'm in my quiet time. I end my quiet time by writing just a sentence. This is my focus for the day. And my focus in my quiet time this morning was that when he allows suffering to come into my life, suffering builds into me perseverance. And it builds my character. And it, that leads to hope. As he takes me through that. The word is so, so wonderful there. But a second aspect of focusing on Christ is in prayer. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. I shared this with the Bible study group this morning. I have this one memorized. Pray without ceasing. I love short verses to memorize. And what this means is, as we get into the Word, then we just get up from our, our study of the Word and we begin just walking with Him. And, and, and our whole attitude is we're just in a nonstop conversation with God. You know, and I get into conversations with Jason. We're talking about what we're going to have for lunch and things like that. But, but by praying without ceasing means that while he and I are talking about this and all of a sudden I hear sirens my heart immediately goes, Father, I don't know what's going on, but Father, would you just take care of what's going on? Protect the EMT, protect the firefighters, protect the police officers, the first responders, help the people that are in need, that somebody's going to help. And we just talk about it. We don't start by saying, oh, dear Father, I need to come to you in prayer this morning because I just heard a siren. No, you just talk to him because it's a nonstop conversation. You just say, excuse me, Jason, but I'm, I'm talking to you, but in my heart, I'm praying. You know, we're talking about whether we're going to have tacos or tamales, but in my heart, I'm just immediately praying. It's just a conversation. And I notice people around me. Lord, I, I see somebody that's really got an angry look on their face. I just, I pray you'll just help them. I see somebody that's happy. And I go, Lord, I don't know what they're blessed with, but man, thank you that you bring joy into the world when folks... Can smile, yeah, and it's just that that conversation, and it doesn't mean you always have to pray it out loud. 
You just express it in your heart. And that's, that's what it means to focus on Christ, that we're just in this ongoing conversation with Him because He is with us and He's never going to leave us. And so the connection is just always there. So we report for duty and we focus on Him, increasing Him through the prayer and through the Bible study. And then the third revelation is that we speak life to people. We speak life to people. Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. And this is kind of my verse that I use to remind myself of that third revelation that I need to speak life to people. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. It is so easy to be negative. Because there's so much junk going on in life. But Lord, help us not to add to the junk by being negative. May we speak words that build up, that fits the occasion. We know what's going on around us as best we can know. And we speak words to help the situation, not make the situation worse. And we help one another. And I love how it ends, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Wouldn't you love it if every time you walked away from somebody, they were thinking, Man, I'm glad I saw him. Man, I'm gl- glad I saw her. Because, man, what, what they said to me, I'm going to make it. I, I feel better because I was with that woman, that man, that person. Man, we speak life to people. For those that are lost, we look for opportunities to share Christ. For our fellow believers, we look for ways to encourage. And we stop the negative and start the positive in all conversations. That we just start speaking life to people. What a difference that could make if this year, those of us who have gathered here this morning were to say, because my past is dead, and this is the definite present moment that I have because of Jesus Christ I am today going to report for duty. I'm going to focus on him and I'm going to speak life to the people I meet. Think about the difference that would make in your household in this church in this city in this county wherever you are think about the difference that would make. Let's pray.